Hi there, this is Dennis Velko with Out Bureau. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of Out Bureau Voices, where we have engaging conversations with LGBTQ professionals, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. And today, we are so happy to be joined with B. Danielle Watkins. She is from Las Vegas, and if I understand correctly, you're visiting family this week. We'll jump into that in just a moment so you can share that news. Uh, but for everyone out there, she is a book author, novelist, also a screenwriter, and a film producer. So she's got lots to talk about. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me, Dennis. Awesome. Well, as I mentioned, you are, uh, uh, do live in Las Vegas. And as I recall, you are visiting in the New York area this week. Actually, I am here until December 2nd, so I'm visiting this month. <laughs> oh, well, well, wonderful, wonderful. Um, well, let's get into a little bit about your background. You know, that's, that's, that's quite a breadth of activity that you do. Yes. So maybe give us a little bit of where you started from. Like, was your education in, in writing or was that just something that you developed, you know, a passion for started or, or just how did that kind of career path that you're on uh, spark? Honestly, I always say I never knew this is what I was getting ready to do. Like, who knows that they're going to grow up and be into these things. But when I was younger, um, you know, growing up in New York, our winters are very harsh, right? Well, they used to be. It's like beautiful here now. But, you know, the winters were harsh and you didn't do a lot. You didn't go outside. And my brother is 10 years older than me. So I spent a lot of time my room imagining and writing and doing stories and things like that. And then my first poem was actually published when I was 15. Oh, wow. Not even realizing. I honestly didn't know what that meant. I just, uh, internet was new when I was 15. This is in like, what, 2000. So I was online and there was an option for me to be able to submit and, you know, hopefully get into this anthology of poems. And I did. And then 10 years later, I was in the process of beginning to publish my first novel. Um, my degree is in psychology. So in my head, I was going to be a school psychologist and that was the path I was going to take. But here we are almost 10 years since the release of my first novel. And yeah, so, this is what I do. So one, <clears throat> you just say that so nonchalantly. Oh, then, my, <laughs> then my first novel, well, you know, that's a big deal. And it's such a process. It's a, such a commitment right. and right. such a mental process to go through. So what are what is your uh, genre of novel? And, and give us just a little bit of information about that. Okay, so I have four novels that are currently on the market. Um, I have a three-part tragedy. Was, I call it three-part tra tragedy, but it would be considered a trilogy. Um, that is about a young couple who was about to get married and how life sometimes tears apart our vision of what that should look like. And it really follows them over a seven-year period. So all three novels follows what happens. They break up, they separate, they get back together and all the different obstacles that they go through. But that is a straight novel, well, a straight series rather. And then my next series, I started, but I released the rest of them because I got so ingrained in my film career. But I 
have a book about a young girl who was trying to figure out her sexuality. But I had already outlined the full novel, I mean, the full series. So when the first volume came out, it already told you in the beginning that she would have killed herself and that these diary entries were to assist the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department in investigating what caused her to take her own life. But I never released the rest of the series. So there was the first book of the series that was out. And then it's like, oh, well, what happened? <laughs> and then I was supposed to, I, I got a new publisher and everything to finish the rest of the series. And then boom, coronavirus happened and everything changed. So then it's back to looking like I'll never release them again. Well, well, have, has the, uh, has this world pandemic, has that, you know, given you the opportunity to work on those novels? Actually, the pandemic has given me more opportunities to work in film, which has taken me away from writing. Um, oh. We've filmed four movies since the pandemic started. Oh my goodness. Well, then, yeah. then let's, let's, uh, so then what from writing the novels got you into film and what is your role in the filmmaking? I probably would have never got into film if my friends were like, not like, Hey, you need to write scripts. And I was like, yeah, I didn't want to write the book. So how do you want me to, you know, write a script? But I actually ended up, um, entering a contest that Will Smith had done in 2013. And with that script, I got a job at a production company in Atlanta. And I became the head of creative writing. And ultimately, I became one of the board members for this organization. And that pushed me into my screenwriting career because then I began to then produce for the company I was working for. I am... A screen. I am a writer by nature. So in film, if you ask, I'm going to stay first. I'm a screenwriter. Second, I'm a producer. Third, I'm a director. Okay. But I do do all of that because, and I own my own production company now. So I do, I do all of it. I do location scouting and casting, and I do everything at certain points in a production. Just like an entrepreneur, uh, you know, a startup <laughs> entrepreneur, right? We have to wear right. so many hats. So I totally get it. Um, and I, I've been involved in the industry, uh, friends, I actually put my, helped support my ex of 17 years. He's, I, my last business was doing well. And so I'm like, oh, well, honey, I'm, you know, on my way to living my dreams. What do you want to do? So I supported him in film for film school, two different degrees. Um, and, um. You know, but I do more. I do more in film and videography than he does. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. But had it not been for that exposure, I would not be as comfortable as I am now. Uh, plus voiceover training that I uh, went through to um, to do this, to be comfortable and utilizing the video editing software and so forth. Because I do it all myself right now. Can't wait till I can bring on a <laughs> someone to do that for me. Um, <clears throat> so tell us about some of your, um, uh, tell us some about, uh, about your movies, you know, the screenwriting experience, the screen, the, the, the plots, and maybe a little bit about how you, you know, developed those. Cause that's, that's right. writing and creativity and strategic thinking, you know, you're, you're, Very. <laughs> you know, so you're going to have your 
your first, uh, I forget what it's called, but your, your, your first section, your middle section and your end section and, you know, right. how you move the story along. And, and I'm sure moving from novels where it's all written um, and it's a book, you know, that's, that's wonderful and it's quite an accomplishment. But then to take what you write and now have it produced in a visual format, you know, where you have to, like you, like you mentioned, you have to cast, you have the costume right. choices, you have this location choices or the set design. There's so much more to having your story come alive. And so tell us a little bit about kind of the beginnings of it. So starting out on that, that um, screenplay. So for me, I don't quite know um, when I got this knack for character development and all these different things, but I also contributed to being a Virgo and being a perfectionist. So like before I even, cause I, when I first started screen writing screenplays, I then went back to school to get a certification in screenwriting because what I didn't want to do is be in this company and telling other people about their screenplays and not have some sort of background in screenwriting itself. Mm -hmm. So I go to school and I make sure I get the certification and say, Hey, you can write a screenplay. But prior to that, I had written probably about 10 screenplays already before I got that certification. So my process is first I need a story and there are times when stories pop up in my head randomly and I'm like, oh, I got to get that out of my head right now. And I'll have character names and the whole synopsis and I just get it out. Then from that, I take the little synopsis, it's probably a paragraph or so, and I break down who is who in the story. So I need to know what this person is doing, what this person is doing, who is this, who is this, who is this. Then I take that. And I make another, it depends because for feature films, they're longer. So it could be between five to 11 page treatment is what it would be called. But it really is just a, it's a complete breakdown of the story itself. And I tell the entire story. And then I take that and I write the screenplay because that is what my blueprint is because what I don't need to do is write all over the place. So if I've already told the story, it's easy for me to insert dialogue and scenes and make it make sense from the story already have been told than for me to sit down and say, I'm gonna tell the story as I go. Because mm. then it won't have any type of structure. It, it could go either way. But if I already know where it's going and who's taking it there and how it ends, then I can stay within the bars of the story itself. That so that's my <laughs> process as far uh, as writing. Uh, okay, that that makes total sense. And because you're, you're telling the overarching story, and then you're going in and filling in the details, like you like you mentioned the the details of the the, the dialogue, and then of course the in a screenplay you also have to do some level of description of the scene. You know, right. are they are they. Right. Are they talking sitting outside at, at the beach on a cloudy day, a sunny day? Are they inside? Well, where are they inside? Are they in a warehouse? Exactly. Are they in a living room? You know, so I, I can totally get that. And um, so, okay, so just so generally have your have your screenplays, have your movies so far had kind of a, a, a theme throughout them or are they kind of all... Uh, each and unto their own, you know, like is one a love story and one like a Terminator story or 
a futuristic, you know, apocalyptic and one's a zombie story? Or, you know, is there some some kind of thread that you kind of have through them? Actually, I've written all over the place. Uh, I, I, I write a lot of LGBTQ Black stories because I do feel that we are underrepresented. So I make sure that I tell that story in different spaces and in different ways a lot. But I've also written straight. I've also written white. I've also written um, Hispanic. I write so many different things because I want to make sure so many different stories are told. And I also write a lot of controversial things because there are a lot of things that filmmakers are afraid to do or there are a lot of things that people are afraid to discuss. So I do like a lot of um, conversation starter films. Okay. That's important to me. And, and well, one, it's always great to tell stories that you know and stories that you're you know familiar with. It brings a level of authenticity to it. So, uh, so I you know it, it is a you know heavily dominated. Um, not is heavily dominated with not people of color and mostly male a lot of males right, so right. so one being african-american being lesbian being a female uh you know all of those things i think you you would naturally bring a level of different storytelling and different perspective uh that you know yes obviously needs to be uh more 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 just content regardless of the form of content, more right. content that represents the world, right? So, Absolutely. so, uh, so, so of course you, you just, you just can't tease me. <laughs> you said you bring up, you know, controversial topics. Well, like what? Well, one of the films we just did over this summer was about a female pedophile who oh, was my. white. Who okay. only targets and murders young black girls. Oh. So the premise of that was number one, how often do we, as much as we talk about pedophilia, we never talk about that women do it too. Oh. And we never talk about the fact, you know, in, in the broader sense that women do it to girls and boys. Hmm. And then we never talk about, well, actually now the now that life has happened the way it has, we are starting to talk about, you know, how the racism is still heavy in the country and what that looks like to a racist person and how they feel about someone who is less than. So mm. I took all of those elements and put them into one story. So we have this affluent white woman who is has a savior complex and is this person who, ah, they're, they're, me but at the same time I can make them look up to me because I'm superior to them and then she's snatching and killing the same girls she wants to look up and adore hmm wow so that's one of the films we did summer missing okay. I'll send you the teaser when we're done <laughs> okay wow yeah that's a lot of topics but that would it make is. it very uh rich and interesting um okay and so what are maybe some of the others to give us some examples? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've done a true story that I turned into a film of a young girl whose stepfather was sexually abusing her and her mother wouldn't do anything about it. And she tried to kill herself at the age of 13. 
I've done a story about abortion where a girl was promiscuous and got pregnant and the guy disappeared and she had to have a botched abortion. Um, I've done films about, you know, what happens with drugs and prostitution. Um, done a film about, what is it? Um, it's called Day and Night, oh, about sex trafficking. Oh, when, wow. the, when the sex trafficker is the person who is also recruiting and, you know, they don't know that that's what's happening. So she's out, she's teaching, you know, how to protect yourself during the day. And at night she's following these girls, snatching them, putting them in the rings, mm. you know, wow. things like that. Um, I've done a, we haven't filmed this one yet, but I did just write a short about police brutality and how black men are treated differently and it's all happening after a young man gets killed for no reason and he has a black father and a white mother and they don't realize that this white woman is that is still her child and how that comes into play with the police officer view um i've done a lot honestly okay yeah you definitely hit on some um deep topics but they're all unfortunately relatable that's the problem. It's unfortunately true. Like they may yeah. not have the stories themselves may not be based off of true things, but somebody can relate. Well, they are based on the true things. They're just not maybe that you don't personally know someone who has gone that particular situation, but those things have happened and or something, you know, similar, uh, you know, unfortunately very similar. Um, so, wow. Really? really cool not just uh not just fluff pieces here ladies and gentlemen and, oh and, no <laughs> and others however you identify um so very 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 interesting so um so how do people you know see your stuff now i think we talked a little bit that you were on one platform and now right. kind of in, in the the midst so if someone were wanting to um you know upon and of course you know everyone out there of course this is a recording so you might be listening to this in in december of 2020 or you might be listening to this at some point you know a couple of years from now um so I know things may change, and and with that you'll you'll you can always you can you will be able to find uh, her on outbureau.com by searching the profiles just in case things change in the future, uh, as far as where her uh, material is located. But um, is there any vehicle for people to see your your uh, content now, or any near plans? Currently, right now, a lot of my older stuff is on my YouTube. Um, so okay. if anybody right now, especially what we, especially with the pandemic, a lot of stuff I released because people were looking and yearning for something to do. And a lot of my work was either restricted or, you know, tied up in something else. So I ensured that a lot of my stuff, like my sitcom from that I originally was on Reverie with 3030, the majority of that is on my YouTube. Um, a lot of my films, film I just discussed, Don't Tell Nobody, the one about the child and the stepfather that I just released last week. I just released a horror story that I did in 2017 on YouTube. I have a lot of films just to give people the option 
to have something to do in the midst of, you know, sometimes we have to lose ourselves in the midst of, you know, the election and the pandemic and all the other things that consume our worlds right now. Um, my website will always have information on or links on how to get to my stuff. But um, okay. we have a my new movie is actually supposed to tour in December. But as we know, the country is slowly starting to shut down again. So hopefully we'll be able to bring the higher spirit to the community to bring the spirits up from again, what's happening in the world and allow the community to have that holiday happy feeling through a story told from our own community. Oh, well, well, great. Well, yes, yeah, so definitely we'll, we'll have links, of course, to your um, website, definitely on your outbureau.com uh, profile. Um, so I, I link to that versus LinkedIn or other things. So, uh, so you'll be able to look up, uh, Danielle Watkins on the outbureau.com platform. And, um, so where, any thoughts on where, uh, you were striving to take this? Maybe that's, you know, in this time, you know, kind of outside of, I know, of course, as you just mentioned, we we're all dealing with this, you know, right. world pandemic that's going on, and there's a lot of uncertainty about it. But um, you know, you you you've built a quite a bit of a track record here. So, you know, hopefully things in a few months will get somewhat back to normal. But you know, kind of without that, where do you see yourself growing? Is this kind of a, is this what you are wanting to really focus on, on your career is, is storytelling and filmmaking? Absolutely. I plan on being, a, I, well, I am a professional screenwriter, but I plan on being a professional screenwriter that makes good wholesome money from screenwriting. You know, I want to build a portfolio that allows me to last in the entire scheme of what filmmaking looks like. So I'm at a point in my career where I'm deliberate in what I make and I'm deliberate in what's produced and I'm deliberate in how we execute and get it out so that we can get in the right channels and in the right spaces, make sure that these stories are seen and told correctly and by people who authentically can tell them whether it be the actors or ourselves as the crew, we wanna make sure that representation is real and we're putting ourselves in the vehicles to do so. Awesome. I love it. Uh, a, a powerful woman who knows what she wants and, and <laughs> doesn't wait for someone else to make it happen. You make it happen. Absolutely. So for for everyone in our audience that, you know, you might not know, you know, being the producer is kind of like being the CEO, right? Right. So it's you know, the boss. <laughs> right. So the producers, the boss, they they're concerned about the money on how to get everything accomplished They're They've got to pull all the uh, team together to get the job mm -hmm. done. You know, making a movie with just one person is pretty darn difficult. It'd have to be a pretty simple story. So beyond simple, it, it has to be almost um, non-existent to be able yeah. to do that one person it's a monologue right <laughs> <laughs> so um so very interesting so is most of your, your filming happening in the las vegas area since you're based there or do you go you know out and about 
Are all oh, your I've, scenes and sets in that area? I've filmed everywhere, you know, from Las Vegas to Paris. So wow. we can, I've filmed everywhere. But since uh, since the pandemic, yes, I haven't traveled to film anything. But uh, the majority of my stuff I've filmed, like I said, Las Vegas, I filmed in Atlanta, I filmed in New Jersey, I filmed in Buffalo, I filmed in New York City, I filmed in Paris. Um, I think that's it. That might be all okay. the places I've actually been to and filmed. Gotcha. And of course, you know, with some good set design, you can make things feel like other areas too. Um, so I guess kind of rolling into a little bit more of the personal side, um, how long have you, since your family, and it sounds like you're from the New York area, um, how long have you lived in Las Vegas? I left um, here in 2001 and I spent my senior year in high school in Las Vegas. And then I went to college in North Carolina. So I was down there for five years. When that was over, I went back to Las Vegas as opposed to coming back here. Okay. Wonderful. And I've been there since. All right. I've also lived in Las Vegas for a couple of years, back when they were building Bellagio. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a a minute. (laughs) It's been, been a couple of minutes. Um, but yes, I used to work for uh, Mirage Resorts. Um, I worked in their IT department, so I used to, I oh, okay. I helped them understand how they would launch a career, a thirteen plus career, and helping uh, companies understand how they own, how they manage their technology. So as really cool as uh, while Bellagio was being built, mine might would be in the building while it's being constructed or almost done constructed and so we were at the point where you know we knew a a cable from a desk that it was for the computers which one it was plugged in and uh, just anywho don't want to bore people with too much but uh it, it it started a career for me um where i then my clients were fortune you know 500 people um business, you know, companies here in the U.S. and major government entities and so forth, doing what I did for them. Uh, but what was really cool is I was, uh, uh, you may have heard of this thing when when new new properties are open, uh, new casino hotels are open, they, they have a, um, a getting ready, I forget the official name of it, but the, 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 the couple of evenings or days where, um, staff and family and friends can come yeah. in with play money and test everybody test the system test that the you know dealers know how to play the game correctly and know how to interact with people and uh, the bartenders and waiters and everyone knows their job what's so yeah. great is uh i i was part of that and actually there's a a yearbook or a commencement book for bellagio where i'm in as part of the oh, team, that's awesome. as part of the team who made Bellagio happen. So yeah, it's kind of interesting and I've not gotten rid of that. I still have it. <laughs> and, um, I didn't unfortunately keep any of the play money that you got oh, to, yeah. to, to play with that day. They gave you a couple hundred dollars in um, play, like $500 in play money, uh, which was great. You could take it and you could use it at the restaurants. You could gamble with it and get more. I mean, I mean right. it, oh, that's it, nice. That yeah, that was, sounds dope. I know we just opened fun. Circa. They just opened that a couple of weeks ago. The Circa Hotel. It was the first uh, ground up 
hotel and casino resort that they've built in a while. So wow. it was a really big deal. But of course, it's the pandemic. So as much as they wanted to do so much, it had to be so scaled down and it turned into something that's kind of, you know, wasn't as grand as Las Vegas would make it, you know. Yeah, well, you know, being such a, being so many people jobs and livelihoods rely on on that infrastructure um it's got to probably be one of the hardest hit cities um oh absolutely because i think mgm just laid off another couple thousand of people wow. mgm the whole as as a whole and i know when has done that there's been a yeah it has been it's hit brutal hard and even with the opening of the casinos again because they just reopened i believe in september um, the tourism, people aren't necessarily traveling just because it's open doesn't mean that they're coming. Now, there right. are people still coming, but it's nothing like what it was. Right. So that's an issue for the city as well. Yes, right. People's jobs and, um, you know, rely on that. And uh, so, so, yeah, my heart feels for that. Now, on a, on a better note, though, um, <laughs> Uh, speaking of Las Vegas, I love Red Rock. Uh, yes. For those, for those, if you, uh, if you, if you haven't been, and when all this clears up and you get the opportunity to visit Las Vegas, make sure you get off the strip and go uh, west of the city. Uh, it's a national, it's a park, national park, I believe, called uh, Red Rock or Red Rock Canyon. It's Red Rock Canyon, yeah. Red Rock Canyon, beautiful. Oh my gosh, uh, the hiking there is just absolutely amazing. I have. Do you ever go out there? I spend more time in Mount Charleston because, oh, that's lovely. Obviously, coming from the East Coast, I love cold and snow. Right? right. Yes. Right. And a lot of people don't realize. And I that. can't get that in the valley, so I I actually live closer. Yeah, I live closer to the Mount Charleston. I live one exit away from the Mount Charleston exit. So oh. I do spend a lot of time up there at the lodge. And I love that that mountain atmosphere compared to the rocks in the desert and Red Red Rock. Even though it's all beautiful, I prepare the cooler. I prefer the cooler temperatures. Well, I'll, I'll share my favorite with you at Red Rock Canyon. Uh, now, I know the, the parking lot system has changed just a bit. But... Um, I think you would like this because you like the mountainous areas. And then, um, so when you're on the loop, you know, that goes through, it starts yeah. on the north end and you go drive through. It's a one-way loop, folks. Yeah. So you drive through and the one of the, the last parking area, uh, you know, you have the road that meets the other, right? And so mm -hmm. just then south of that, there is um, uh, a, an old base of a homestead. Uh, like a found home house foundation, you know, that used right. to be a log cabin. Well, right there is a, a canyon trail and it's just an in and an out. There is no through. However, what is so wonderful, since you will hopefully be back um, in, it's, it's like the middle of April. Once okay. the snow starts melting off of the top, of the right. things it, there's a waterfall and it oh only, i bet you it's beautiful and it's only there for a couple of weeks while the snow is melting right. and so you you're hiking and i've done a couple dates there that was beautiful <laughs> 
And uh, so, uh, and what's nice is you're not in the heat of the sun because you're literally in a canyon that's only maybe, you know, 30, 40 feet wide. Uh-huh. Uh, so you've got the cliffs beside you. So you're not, mm. be- the sun's not beating right. down on, on you. Right. So um, as you're walking basically up what would be in the dry period, the, a dry creek bed, you're hopping on the rocks and, and all this very cold water is streaming down. Oh, again, it's only like six to eight, six or so weeks that this happens. Right. And then um, outside of global warming, don't know now. Um, but uh, th- then there's where the p- water over the years would swirl, right? And it created these basically tanks, these cat, these uh, tubs, natural formed, huge opening, you know, tubs. And so you can just sit in the cold water and the, and then it's whirling around you like this. Oh, that Amazing. sounds beautiful. It is. And then by the time you get to the end, there's this huge waterfall. Um, and there is actually, I know because of one of the dates, <laughs> Uh, up on up on the right hand side, you have to crawl up, and then there's this huge flat rock about halfway up the waterfall. Oh wow! We'll just say for that time of the year, good date spot. <laughs> Done that twice. <laughs> it was worth repeating. It was beautiful. I mean, come on, you're completely right. out in nature. No one can see you, and you're literally like can reach out and touch the waterfall. Yeah, I definitely need to find this. I need oh, to figure yeah. out how to get there. It, it's it's lovely. That That's one of the things that I miss of it. And I just miss the, um, you know, some of the atmosphere of Las Vegas. I mean, back then, um, again, many, many, several years ago, but uh, I had just ended a nine-year uh, relationship of my 20s and was starting to date this uh, very handsome guy, um, uh, 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 Syrian, Middle Eastern, beautiful. Oh my God. And, uh, but we would then, because, you know, being a staff person, I got tickets to back then the Cirque du Soleil right. shows. Yeah. So, so funny because I would show up because I was single. So, and, you know, the employees get a really great cafeteria. So I would show up to work about 45 minutes early, have breakfast. I would have French toast and <laughs> bacon and eggs and all of that kind of stuff for free, folks. Exactly. Um, and, you know, then my my, my office uh, was uh, a temporary building because of building Bellagio right behind the Mirage Resort. So there was this huge corridor uh, in the, the, the staff, you know, basement. And then right out, and that's where the uh, cafeteria was. So to where my building was, was all I had to do is open a door and walk about, you know, 40 yards. And I was in the employee cafeteria and uh, which was basically a buffet people. It was really good. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I would have lunch. Often I would have dinner before I would then leave work. So I'd I'd often get three (laughs) meals a day. Uh, but while I was dating this guy, um, he, uh, sometimes when we would do a date, date and I, um, I would bring him to the employee cafeteria. <laughs> we would have a fantastic meal. I mean, you know, literally prime rib, steak, 
shrimp. Yeah. I mean, they all feed them of, very well. Yes, they do. Then we would go see a Cirque du, Cirque du, Cirque du, Cirque du Soleil show at the Treasure Island or what, one of the other properties right. and go back and have a fantastic, you know, dessert and um and then go about our evening but yeah that was one of my 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 things boy i when i worked at mirage resorts when i was single i i, I had such a low grocery bill because i was eating most of the time in these and, <laughs> and eating well so just right. one of those little things of, of back then that you know was um a very uh great perk and um very much enjoyed it. I really, I really enjoyed working for them. It was uh, an interesting um, company, an interesting environment as well. So, well, cool. Well, now I know. Now I have, <laughs> now I have a friend to visit in Vegas. Yeah, come on out. There when we, I'm there. <laughs> yes, when you're there. Oh, I won't be traveling anytime soon. Um, well, cool. Uh, well, Danielle, it's been such a, a pleasure speaking with you today yet again. And, know. Um, you know, as your projects come along and you have new things to, uh, you know, new shows or something you would like to talk about that are get all in the nitty gritty of the plots and so forth uh, at any time, please reach back out to me. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to set up my out bureau today. So I'll be on there today. Awesome. Well, much appreciated. And there is a group when you are on outbureau.com. There are okay. groups and there are groups for out media. Uh, so mm -hmm. encourage you once you complete at least 30% of your profile, all features of the site will unlock. And then you're able okay. to friend and connect with other people, join groups, mess direct message people and so forth. So looking forward to seeing you there. Well, cool. all right. Well, thank you everyone for staying tuned to this episode with B. Danielle Watkins. Do check her out here on outbureau.com after you create your profile and then can search for her and connect with her and maybe have opportunities uh, that uh, business opportunities that you might want to uh, share with her or maybe pitch her some story ideas. Who knows? <laughs> well, thank you again, Danielle. It was such a pleasure. And again, thank you for tuning in and staying with us to the end of this episode. For that, because you must be interested, be sure to hit that subscribe button down below and be sure to click that bell. That What that bell does is when you enter into YouTube, it'll make sure that you are notified of all the episodes. Additionally, we are on over 14 podcasting apps, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google, and about 10 others. And stay tuned for, for a future announcement. Out, Out Bureau Voices is going even broader. Stay tuned. All righty. Bye-bye.